Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. On the outside, the five of you are villains, predators, remorseless sociopaths. Oh, stop. You're making me blush. We're the bad guys. And this is the crew. Mr. Snake, Serpentine, Safe Cracking Machine, Magic Houdini, but with no arms. Jackbox. Yes. Miss Tarantula. Our in-house tech wizard. Where'd you learn to do that? Mostly YouTube. Mr. Piranha. He's brave. <laughs> Crazy. What's up, Papa? <laughs> and Mr. Shark, master of disguise. His greatest trick, stealing the Mona Lisa disguised as the Mona Lisa. <gasps> and rounding out the crew is me, the big bad wolf. We may be bad, but we're so good at it. Arrest them! We're out of here. So long, suckers. Go when no wolf. Well, this just got a little weird. No! Wolf! If only we were given a chance to be anything more than criminals. If you want to stay out of jail, you need to go good. What are you doing? We're gonna pretend to go good. The bad guys become the good guys so we can stay the bad guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's fantastic! Wolf, you're a genius! <laughs> Welcome to the first day of the rest of your best life. Look, it's a cat stuck in a tree. What does your heart tell you to do? A good person would smack it, skin it, stab it, saute it. So obvious. I want you to save it. Oh, right, right. The good guy. We're more than just scary villains. They love us. You're such a good boy. Maybe I don't want to be a, what? a bad guy. No, no, no! We'll always be bad guys! Let's try something simpler. I'm going to give you a push pop. Just for me! No, to share. This is gonna taste extra sweet. Nope! Sucker! Is it? I'll teach you to share! <gasps> totally worth it! Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 424. Releasing March 31 in Australian cinemas is The Bad Guys, a new animated feature film from DreamWorks based on the popular best-selling books written by Aaron Blaby. Featuring the voice work of Sam Rockwell, Mark Moran, Aquafina, and more, The Bad Guys is an energetic and handsomely drawn heist film for kids that also delivers a poignant message about redemption. This episode will feature two different interviews, the first with the Bad Guys author and executive producer Aaron Blaby, and then my interview with the director of The Bad Guys, Pierre Perithel. Enjoy. Aaron, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very well. I thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. So i got to say, I don't know who else can brag about this or who you've talked to so far, but I've read all of your Bad Guys books because my son... My older son, especially my nine-year-old Michael, is a huge fan of it. 
And so oh, looking good. forward to watching this movie uh, next week as well. Oh, so it's only very fair, cool. So it's only fair that the first question will be the one that he always wanted to ask you. So I'm going to do it on his behalf. How did you come up with the idea for the Bad Guys books? Um, well, there's a few things. It all happened kind of at once. So I had a, I got two kids, two boys. And when my youngest was about five, came home with a series of books from school, like each, like a different one every day. And each one of them was more boring than the last. And he hated reading and they were he's making him read this stuff. And I was sitting there with him and he wasn't wrong. These books were just so boring. And I thought I want to do something that would make him want to read. What could be and at the time he really liked scary animals and i my, my favorite animals were always scary he liked cool cars i grew up loving mad max and i thought well how could i what you know what did i love when i was a kid and then in fact what do i love now and i was thinking about all the movies that i love and i thought is there any way i could mash all that up somehow and turn it into something that would actually make a kid want to want to actually pick up a book instead of going to an xbox or whatever and then I thought, well, what could do that? And then I thought, well, when I was a kid and, and he, he's no different is it was always stuff that I couldn't get my hands on. Like I mentioned Mad Max. I would always mm -hmm. wanted to go, oh no, it's too violent and whatever. But I thought, what if I took the, the idea or the, the, the iconography of that stuff? And I thought, what if I took it and hotwired it in a way that kids could get their hands on it? And it well, didn't cross the line, but it, it was, it had stuff that they, they'd go, oh my God, I can't believe I get to read this. And that was the thinking behind it. And then all of a sudden, just by thinking that Mr. Wolf, Mr. Snake, Mr. Shark, Mr. Piranha, they just popped out in like a day. They were just there and they were fully formed. They're the, totally the characters as they are now. I just knew them. I've known them my whole life. It's really weird. They were just there. I don't know where they're from really, but by having that idea, it triggered it and then bleh, there they were. Um, and they changed my life because I've been looking for them my whole life. I really had that making the bad guys books is my my favorite thing ever it just is i love that i get to make that universe well on behalf of my nine-year-old who has autism as well and he he's found a love for books through your books so i just want to say thank you very much for that mm -hmm. just moving thank on you. now to to my kind of end of the woods adapting this film to like another medium is always tricky but so your films are really cool because there's visuals to it of course from your illustrations but it's also a really dialogue heavy kind of film as well yeah. um like books i'm sorry the transition to like a different medium especially a film does having that visual in those dialogues does it make it easier is it just as hard as any other film that you may might have like experience with how does it all kind of work out for I you Look, I think I, I think the fact that the book is a bit like a storyboard, it certainly didn't inform what the how the movie was plotted or anything, but I think it gave a, a, a pretty clear template of what it could be. And then because I was very protective of the characters and how they were to be represented as they are in the books, beyond that, I didn't really mind where they took the story as long as it was as long as it was in keeping with the spirit of the books. And when they you know, started to experiment with what that could be. It, it just, it was, it felt very natural the way that it occurred. And you're right, that stuff can, it can not work and you see it not work all the time and people have their books adapted and it can be a disaster. So it is a really, it actually comes down to just the people working on it and having the right team. And we just were so fortunate that we 
you know, hooked up with the team at DreamWorks because they understood it from day one. And really, really, it meant, it, and to this day, it means a lot to the team at DreamWorks that they get this right. And that, especially for kids who love the books, they want them to go and see the movie and it'll be different from the books, but they want them to recognize the world they love and have a, an even bigger experience as opposed to going and going there. Yeah, that's not, that's got nothing to do with what I like about the books. I feel like those two things have been achieved. I feel like when I watch the movie, I see my characters absolutely. And at the same time, it's now this glorious big Hollywood thing. So it's, it's kind of best of both worlds. I think. You've got a great voice cast in this movie. Yeah. I know you're a big movie fan. When you write your characters, when you write their dialogue, do you have voices of actors in your head that you associate with the characters? No, not, not, it wasn't really, it wasn't really actors. And I, and I, and I tried to keep a really open mind with the voices too, because you can be surprised. You can, you can really like an actor. And then when you actually isolate the voice, it cannot be right. Um, but with this, there were certain voices that I was somewhat obsessed with for, for certain characters and they, in, in two cases, wonderfully happened to be the people who are playing the roles. Um, but look, that's a real team effort and the DreamWorks obviously have an amazing casting department too. In terms of when I'm writing the books, it's sort of, I don't know, it's it's really hard to describe what happens in my head when I'm writing the books. I It begins as a kind of a, I've, I figure out what the plot basically is going to be of each episode and then I write it like a screenplay. And then I start to figure out, well, how am I going to tell this with pictures? So it's like a miniature version of making my own movie. And I do hear them in my head, but they don't, it's, it's not quite the same as hearing a specific actor's voice, but now it probably will be. I'm not, I think I'm, I'm just about to sit down and write the next two. And I think it is going to be really difficult to not hear Sam and Mark and Aquafina, but you know, you know, why would I not want to hear them as well? So yeah. That's not a bad thing. It's, no. it's just all going to inform itself now. And I, there's four episodes left. I said, holding up three fingers, I said there's four. Um, there's going to be four uh, four more to bring me to the end of the book series at episode 20. I've just mm. finished 16. Mm. And uh, I'm going to be doing that over the next two years. So, uh, yeah, of, of course, the movie is going to massively energize, I think, these last four episodes because it's an extraordinary wave to be riding on top of at the moment. Final question. Mm. Well, I think what I really like love about the books having read to my my son about them is that they're redemption stories they are stories about people who might have character flaws or have people have perceptions about them uh, but they can change that at any given moment i think it's a really important value for kids to actually learn was that something that you really kind of i know that your inspiration was to make something that was really cool but the redemptive art parts of it especially with these bad guys characters i think that's something that's really cool and something that i think a lot of kids especially younger kids stuck on social media especially could really learn from and was that something that you really wanted to bring to the fore totally absolutely and the thing is all the stuff that i've been mashing up it would be meaningless if there wasn't something underpinning it that actually meant something so right. absolutely and what i was interested in and it was a real gamble it doesn't seem like it now but it was at the time was to take books for that age group where normally characters are quite simple and they have a little adventure and then they reboot and then they have another adventure and you can mm. read those books in any old order and it doesn't matter what i was interested in was taking characters who are dysfunctional 
and having them go on a journey where they keep falling off the wagon metaphorically and messing up and go on that and then eventually in some cases end up quite different in quite a different place by the end of the series than they were at the start which for that age group is pretty much unheard of and and if anybody had been advising me at the time the advice would have been yeah that's not going to work for that age group they need it all wrapped up by the end of the episode they won't have the attention span to wait six months for the next part but it's to my absolute delight and my publisher's delight too um that hasn't been the case kids just hang out for the next one and yeah. and six months later they're going what what's going to happen next and that's like that's the the coolest thing that can happen to somebody in my position who's writing books for kids well aaron blaby i thank you so very much for your time today thank you for the books thank you for the interview hopefully we can talk again in the future thank you mate take care the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s tees 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate, founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Hi, my name is Matt Perkovich from Matt's Movie Reviews. Pierre, how are you today? Hey, Matt, how are you, man? Doing very great. well. Th very well, thank you very much. I just want to say, first off, as a father of two diehard The Bad Guys fans, I took them to the movie <laughs> a couple of days ago. They loved the movie. So you got your, your target mar market right there. And I've got to say, I know, I know the books intimately because I've read them to my kids. Yeah. There's 12 to up to 15, I think, um, um, and, and, and Anthony Bailey was talking about he's going to do 20 of them. Yeah. Um, so you've inherited not only a book, you've inherited a whole kind of world. I'm curious, coming in into this world, what do you tackle first? Do you tackle story or do you tackle the visuals? Because your background is an animator. I imagine maybe the visuals is what kind of strikes you first. Yes, that's, very, that's a great question. Um, when I came in, there was already a script. You know, there was a draft. You know, and there, and there was, and there was, there were the books, obviously. Um, so I, we already had an idea of what the character's journey would would be. You know, and 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 where those, you know, what would be kind of the the big arcs of the the story. 
but what really drew me to the world were uh, to to this uh, to this story and uh, and and, the, and telling the story of these bad guys was really the the opportunity to tell a uh, a fun action driven heist comedy heist caper with animals you know um, and and really playing that world you know. Uh, and so I think I came at it from a more of a visual angle, like a like a you know cinematographer type of or, or artist type of uh, or draftsman you know type of angle, mm -hmm. as opposed to writer angle. Uh, yeah. I knew we had a great white writer. We have an amazing story team that was able to also just make the story evolve and work with with uh, with Etan and myself just to make sure that we had a story that slowly just shaped itself to become what it is now. But but for me it was like I came at it more from the visual angle. Yeah. Definitely. The, the character designs are similar to what um, Baby has in his uh, books, but different at the same time. Yeah. So the first thing my son says to me is, Dad, why does Piranha have feet? Yeah. And, and he wanted me to ask you about this. I'm curious too. When it comes to a decision like that, does that take a long time to kind of get what you want in your world? Because we're dealing with a different medium in the film, of course. Yes. There's different kind of physical aspects of it. When it comes to a decision like that, does that is that a long kind of process? Or did you know that there were going to be certain changes that need to be achieved in order for the film world to, to tell this story? Yeah, that's a great question too. I mean, like... Um... In response to your son's question, which is incredibly uh, clever, um, the moment that I, you know, saw the books, read, like saw Aaron's drawings, which are incredible, um, I knew we also needed to expand on that world, just to make sure it was as rich as we could make it on screen. Uh, but I'm an animator, and I was like, how the hell am I going to make a shark with no feet and a piranha mm. with no feet move in this world, you know. So it yeah. really came from almost a practical uh, question and, and also an, an idea of how am I going to shoot a piranha, you know, on its belly flopping, you know, uh, next to a wolf or... And it would not look good, you know. It looks great on the books, it's amazing on the page, but for a movie that moves and you have 24 frames per second when you need to move, there is no way that's going to work. So it, I knew right away that that was not going to work and I wanted to, you know, just take a slightly different angle. The, the trick though was to keep uh, Aaron involved throughout all of this to make sure that he was okay with those changes, which he was okay with those, all those changes, you know. He knew we were not completely betraying the material and being very consistent with what he was doing, but expanding it and, 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 and making sure that it would adapt on the, on the big screen. So I think that partnership in mind, uh, it helped uh, me shape that world in a way that was suitable for animation and, and for, for motion and for simple, you know, uh, you know, for shoot, to, to shoot these characters, you know, in an appropriate way. Um, so all those decisions were made based on how would I close my eyes and see that those characters move, and then I would just be, you know, I need to adjust this, and I need to adjust that because this is not going to work. And obviously you have, it's a long yes. process, you know. Yes, of course. You know, there's an interesting scene in the movie where the wolf dances, yeah. and it's really interesting because Sam Rockwell does the voice for the wolf. Yeah. And Sam Rock, Rockwell is known to cut the rug, so to speak, on the dance floor. Yeah. And the movements that the wolf was doing, very reminiscent of how Sam Rockwell himself dances. Of course. Did you actually take, like, kind of like how Sam dances and kind of like adapted the wolf to, to kind of portray that way? And do you usually do that in the animations? If you have a, a voice actor attached, do you take certain movements and like to kind of, you know, interpret that through the characters on screen as well? 
Very often, yes, we do that. Um, every single session where we record our actors, we also film them. Uh, so the animators have that available for them just to reference if they need to. Um, so sometimes we don't. Sometimes the animators uh, just take reference of themselves acting out the scene. Sometimes, sorry, they would use uh, reference of that actor as he's saying the line. Sometimes they would use that actor on one of their movies before and just take some elements of their movement and or the essence of the movement and kind of try and reprodu reproduce that to give to make it more uh, uh, believable or realistic. Um, but in our case for that dance, you know, the dance came because we had Anthony who could sing and Sam who could dance. And we're like, there's mm -hmm. no way we're not going to do or pay homage to these two guys for what they do and what they're really good at, you know. Um, and so, yes, definitely. So we, we work with Susie Meisner, who is Sam's choreographer uh, and long, long friends. Uh, and, and she actually choreographed the whole scene with Sam in mind, knowing him really, really well, and Zazie in mind as well, just dancing together. And then the animators took what she did. So we did a previous of that whole sequence. And then when it was time for the animators to animate those characters, they would actually use some of the, some Sam dancing, actual dancing references, and try to instill them on top of the, the the dance move that those dancers would give us as video reference, you know, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Final question, you know, Zoom is a beautiful thing. I'm over at this side of the world, you're over there, we're talking about your movie. You practically had to create a whole movie out of Zoom. You're in, in yep. remote and you had to communicate with your team. What were the keys in really achieving um, the, the success that you had with this movie, especially in regards to this type of communication over a computer Considering that you lose kind of like some of that intimacy as well, which I'm sure you as a filmmaker would like to have, what were the keys to kind of like making sure that you could stay on top of everything and make sure everything ran as smoothly as they could in a remote setting? A lot of things. Um, first of all, uh, an amazing uh, crew uh, of producers who are able to organize um, the whole production, you know, in a, in a flawless way, uh, making sure they, they stayed in touch and all the department would stay in touch. Um, uh, and also an amazing crew of artists, you know, uh, a dreamer be able to create that, you know, what you see on screen in the end. Um, and heads of departments that were really great at just leading their teams. Um, one of the big uh, chance that I had was <clears throat> I've, been, I've, I've been working at Dreamers for a long, long time. And so mm -hmm. I've known these teams for a long, long time. So there is a little bit of a short, 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 uh, shortcuts, you know, um, between them and myself, and they knew where I was going. The other good thing is, like, we didn't, we didn't, we were not in in uh, in lockdown right away. You know, there was a few yeah. months before we got into lockdown, so we got to know each other uh, even better, and they got to really understand where I was going. Um, but once we were in lockdown, they knew what I wanted. They knew me. I knew them really well, uh, and it was rather easy for me to connect with them and just being able to guide them. But honestly, it's like a real team effort uh, and a, 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 a an effort from a, from a team that knows you know each other really well and are all quite close close friends uh, and i think that's the strength of a studio like dreamworks you know where people tend to stay quite a long time in this place because they love that friendship and that connection between them um, and between all of us really and therefore it allows for massive strengths in a situation like this one you know massive like a, yeah ma massive like a team spirit in front of adversity you know well, you and your team did a fantastic job with this movie. So on behalf of myself and my children, congratulations to you. And hopefully, well, hopefully we'll see a sequel because I want to see more.
Thank you so much, man. Thank you.